Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's this week's message. This morning our scripture reading uh, comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 46. Matthew 22, 34 to 46. This is the scribes coming and asking, which is the first commandment of all. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How then does David in the Spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool. If David then calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day on did anyone dare question him any more. Loving God and one another. The Pharisees, as we know, were concerned with tradition. The Pharisees knew that without Israel's traditions, life would be kind of shaky. They knew the importance of knowing who we are and what God expects of us. Which is the greatest commandment in the law, the Pharisees asked Jesus, attempting to trick him with a theological question. Jesus answered by quoting the Old Testament and the tradition that the Pharisees respected so much. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is nothing new in Jesus' answer. This is not something original. In Jewish writings long before Jesus' time, these two commandments summarize the whole of the law. In fact, Luke's gospel attributes this summary not to Jesus, but to the Jewish lawyer who asked Jesus what he must do to receive eternal life. You'll find a parallel passage or a similar passage there in Luke chapter 10, verses 27. Jesus asked him, What do you say? The lawyer replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Every Pharisee, every Jew, knew these words. These words are the essence, the beginning and the ending of the Jewish piety. In Deuteronomy we read, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These words were to be recalled in the morning and in the evening. They were to be taught to the children, and they were recited just before the moment of death. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus continued. Jesus went to the heart of the Pharisees' tradition and his own. He quoted the law in Leviticus dealing with right conduct toward the neighbor. 
He went on, All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The Jews had been out to trap Jesus. And as we read last week, the Pharisees and the Herodians had a go with a question whether taxes should be paid to the emperor or not. A question to get Jesus to condemn himself with his own answers. Then the Sadducees try out a tricky question on Jesus about a woman who marries seven times. Which husband will she have when the dead will be raised to life? Again, a question to trick Jesus because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And now the Pharisees test Jesus again to try and find out where he stands in regard to the tradition, uh, traditional faith, the faith of the fathers. And in his reply, we find that Jesus had a great respect for tradition. He goes to the very heart of the Jewish faith and quotes passages of the Old Testament. Earlier in Matthew's Gospel, we read that Jesus hasn't come to do to, to do away with Israel's faith. We hear him say in Matthew 5, verse 17, Do not think that I have come to do away with the law of Moses and the teaching of the prophets. I have come not to do away with them, but to make their teachings come true. Remember that as long as heaven and earth last, not the least point nor smallest detail of the law will be done away with, not until the end of all things. Jesus has great respect for the traditional faith, but not necessarily the traditional interpretation of the Pharisees. See, the idea of Jewish uh, responsibility when it comes to who it is to be loved goes like this. Everyone was to love God. That was compulsory. But everyone else was graded as to how much love they were given. There were those people to whom it was a responsibility to show love. Those on the outer circles of the community, like outcasts, sinners, tax collectors, Gentiles, Samaritans, and so on. Some were to be loved less, and others were owed no love whatsoever. The Pharisees had established many laws to help people in their observance of this command. These laws told people whom they were to love and whom they could ignore. By saying that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love your neighbor, this gives a new slant to the traditional interpretation of the Pharisees. To love God, that was clear enough, but to also say to love one another in the same breath puts both of these commands on equal footing. One is not more important than the other. To love God is to love my neighbor, and to truly love my neighbor is to love God. In fact, we can't make any sense out of Jesus' radical command to love our enemies unless we recognize the love that God has for us and loves us in such a radical way, even though we are his enemies because of sin. The love of God and the love of our neighbor are inseparable. You cannot claim to love God if you don't love your neighbor. Essentially, the entire law of God can be boiled down to two simple commandments. Love God with your whole being, and love whomever God puts next to you as you love yourself. Now, before we go any further, we need to understand what Jesus means here when he uses the word love. 
That little four-letter word, love, is used in many contexts. We talk about loving our dog, loving strawberries, ice cream, or whatever. When we use the word love like that, we are expressing our affection and have warm feelings for whatever it is that we are loving, because we associate the word love with affection. It's no wonder that we have difficulty loving those people who annoy us, those people who hurt us, and those who don't deserve to be loved. When the Bible talks about love, it primarily means a love that keeps on loving. It means commitment. We may have warm feelings of gratitude to God when we consider all that he has done for us, but it is not warm feelings that Jesus is demanding of us. It is stubborn, unwavering commitment. It follows then that to love one another, including our enemies, doesn't mean we must feel affection for them. Rather, it means a commitment on our part to take their needs seriously, just as God committed himself to taking our needs seriously by sending his son into this world. <clears throat> you see this in marriages where, because of the aging process, one partner has become physically uh, incapacitated, maybe, difficult to live with, very demanding. And yet the other partner keeps on caring and putting up with it all. That's coming close to the biblical idea of love. It's that commitment, even though it isn't necessarily deserved. It's that stubborn, unwavering commitment to the other person's needs, often at a great sacrifice to themselves. That's where many marriages go wrong. The couple say they are in love, they have warm feelings for each other, but not the commitment. When the warm feelings fade, so does the marriage. This kind of love doesn't come naturally. It is true that this kind of love comes from God, but putting it into practice is something we have to work on. Love, commitment, is a deliberate action of the will. To love means deliberately to turn toward another person and their needs, to give away of ourselves to someone else without thinking of what we will get in return. In Luke's Gospel, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, that's in Luke chapter 15. We see an example of a man loving his enemy, committing his money, his time and energy to seeing to the needs of the man lying in the gutter. He stopped to help and to hang with the consequences. All he could see was someone in need. This kind of love, this kind of commitment is self-sacrificing. It is putting the other person first, whether it is God or our neighbor. In all honesty, it doesn't take much imagination to realize that this kind of love has been in short supply in our lives. In fact, if we could love perfectly, then there would be no more sin in our world. If we love perfectly, if we were able to be truly committed to other people, then there would be no more violence, no more war. What we say and do would only be gentle, kind, and caring. Because this is not the case, 
Jesus came to pay for our lovelessness. He showed us what true love is. His love touched the dumb, the deaf, the diseased, the disabled. His love warned, wept, and washed dirty feet. His love told of a shepherding search for lost sheep, a father rushing out to embrace and kiss his lost son as he welcomed him home. His love turned the other cheek and willingly walked the extra mile. His love carried a cross and died upon it. His love welcomed each of us into God's family, forgiving our sins. Because of Jesus, you are a perfect saint in the eyes of God. Eternal life is yours in Christ. Forgiveness of sins is yours. The perfect love of God is yours. We no longer have to love. We get to love. We don't love in order to get to heaven. We love because heaven is already ours in Christ. We don't love in order to win God's favor. We love because we already have God's favor in Christ. We don't love so that God will love us. We love because God has loved us in Christ with the greatest love we will ever know, the crucified love of Jesus. Jesus came to make us more loving. What form this loving takes is not important, but what is important is that it does take place. When you fail, remember Jesus loves you and let his love shine through you into the lives of the people around you. Let us pray. Father, we come to you giving thanks for your love. You loved us so much that you gave us your only son. And we thank you for Christ who came and saved us from our sin. Help us to love others with that same type of love. Amen.